0: we're going to be talking about this thought of being rooted, and it's going to be in two phases this week we're going to talk about the roots of you we're going to talk about the soil of the human person, and then next week we'll get into the 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 ground, the natural ground that we walk upon, and so we want to deal with us because I think when you when you're going to talk about being rooted, it isn't just being rooted in the ground, although there's a lot of similarities um um, when you're talking about us and the ground, there's a lot of similarities, but I want to—I feel it's in two phases. So we want to deal with us today and just give you some things to really look at. And so um, in Ephesians, so we're going to jump to a couple of scriptures or a few scriptures and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter three, verse 17, Ephesians chapter three, verse 17. And can you guys hear me? Good. Yeah. Good. Ephesians chapter three, verse 17, it says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you be rooted and grounded in love. That you be rooted and grounded in love. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And that's the ground that we're talking about tonight. We're talking about the ground of your heart. There are two parts of your uh you'll see a scripture that says, or the or the Bible says this: that I'm gonna I'm gonna write. Or I'm going to put the law in your mind and I'm going to write it in your heart. And the reason why it says that is because when we receive the word in our minds, we, we receive it, we're processing it. And when we process something, we're processing it for the purpose for it to be planted in the soil of our heart. The soil of your heart determines your behaviors, determines how you how you think things through, what you'll do, what you'll not do. And so a lot of times, um our our core values are planted there and so we and so God goes after your heart because he wants to take those core values that are not founded by his word and us install his word in because why those things take away from you they they they're the cause of you making decisions based on You know, what you've been told by human people, what you've been told by your ancestors, what you've been told by this person or that person. And maybe what they told you wasn't really good. They just did what they they just did the best they could with what they had. But when we come to God, the Lord wants to fine tune all those things, make sure all those things are right. And then some of us are blessed with some good parents or good people around you that plant some good things. And so sometimes the challenge of having uh, us to receive truth is that something else is planted there. And so we're going to deal with the ground of our heart. And so Paul here says in Ephesians, he's telling to the Ephesians church that Christ may dwell in your heart, that Christ be the one that's rooted and grounded, that you be rooted and grounded in him, that he would be the thing that you're rooted and grounded in him. And and, and, and it's love. Love should be the thing that's in your soil. And so we're starting with that scripture because we're talking about what it is to be rooted the other thing that we find in our in our roots is uh, we, we deal with our bloodline. There are things in our bloodline that have been rooted. And the soul, and the soulish part of us, which is the mind, those are the things that have been passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. To generation. And those things in the bloodline are the, the continuous things that you were born into. You came into this world, whether you are Hispanic, Black, Asian, White, whatever your your national uh, your ethnicity is, you came in, and you not only inherited some things that God has given you as gifts and talents, and even some talents from your parents, but you also inherited some very unfavorable things along the way too you inherit those things too and those things seem to be don't need no encouragement they're already there and they're already um moving and breathing in you and sometimes depending on your upbringing those things can be really cultivated to move and breathe and sometimes not as much it just depends i like to look at uh people as like a a bag of seeds and depending on your circumstances and where you've been how you grew up will determine whether the things that god is placing you will come to fruition or whether or whether um those (laughs) those those not so good things come to life and so we don't want that what we want is we want those things to be out of us and so how do we deal with those things that necessarily maybe we didn't do but it's in our bloodline already and so we're going to look at how these things travel, how some things are rooted and grounded in us and how we need to come to Jesus tonight. And so let's turn. We're going to go to our our next scripture. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says this. Hebrews chapter 12, excuse me, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. And it reads and it says, And Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood sprinkling that speaks a better word than Abel. Let's go back to that again. It says, and Jesus, the mediator, after he has died and resurrected, he has ascended on the right hand of the father and he is a constant mediator in New Jerusalem for us. The new mediator of the new covenant and the blood and, and to the blood sprinkling that speaks a better word his blood speaks a better word than abel and i know you guys are familiar with that particular passage uh in in uh, in genesis abel's blood was spilled innocently. on abel's blood was spilt on the ground he was the first innocent blood to be spilt on the ground he was the first person who was murdered by his brother due to jealousy and when he was murdered god catches his brother running away and tells him what have you done He says, your very blood, the very blood of your brother speaks from the ground. So your blood in your that's in your blood vessels right now have a voice and it's proclaiming something. And so without Christ Jesus, Abel's blood was proclaiming, I've been killed, retribution, revenge, make this right, God. You know, all the things that humans would say because he was wronged, if that makes sense. But that's why Jesus' blood cries a better word. What does his blood cry? Forgiveness. Love. It says, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was on the cross. And as bad as they beat him, as bad as they treated him, he was able to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His blood cries grace. His blood cries the righteous judgment. His blood cries all those good things. And so as we are uh, blood bought by him, we want more of his blood speaking. So what am I talking about tonight? We're talking about things that are rooted and grounded in the soil of your heart. This is what we're talking about tonight. This is the first phase. And so when we look at his blood speaking a better word, is his blood, is his voice the only voice that is speaking in you? And I would, I would answer that, no, it is not. It is uh, is not the voice that is speaking. There are other things in your bloodline that are speaking. That are speaking things that are speaking contrary to the things of God. Even uh, Paul told Timothy in in uh, first, I think it's first or second Timothy, he tells him. He says he admonishes him. He says, "I want you to reprove. I want you to help those who impose themselves, those that are that are fighting against themselves, those that are fighting against the will of God." Your biggest fight as a believer is not so much the enemy; it is yourself. It is self that fights against or opposes God. That's why the Bible says for us to cast down every thought or to what? Mortify the deeds of the flesh because you can't cast out flesh, you know, and you got to tell your thoughts, take control of those thoughts and say, no, I'm not going to think those thoughts. But where is all that coming from? It's coming from that which is rooted and grounded in you and those are the things we want out of us. Those are the things we want to go in. That's why the Bible says in Hosea, I think chapter 10 verse 12 and it says, "Break up the fallow ground, sow unto yourself righteousness." And when we break up that fallow ground, if you understand what it is to do any gardening, I'm quite sure some of you guys do, um, you break up the heart and ground. You break up the heart and ground for the purpose to what? To turn the soil to get all what the stuff that doesn't need to be in there like the rocks and all the all the nasty things that anything that would hinder that seed good seed to grow it would anything that would keep that seed from uh, germinating and going through the process of laying roots you would pull all that out and so that's what we do that's what the Lord does and a lot of that is done through the fellowship in the word the Bible says Jesus told him in John 17 he says wash yourself with truth." He said, what is truth? The word. The word of God is like is like uh, is like two gardening tools. It goes in. And if you fellowship in the word long enough, the word itself will start plucking things out. It'll start it, it'll start shining a light on things maybe that you are uh, that you're guilty of or or, 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 or convicts you of things that need to be that need to be uh, out of your life. Or sometimes the Lord will give you dreams. And you'll be like, wow, I didn't know that was in there because the word is a revealer. It tells you between it, it, it discerns between the soul and the spirit. Amen. That's what uh, Hebrews chapter four it talks about It's a lie and it discerns between the soul and the spirit. So it's able to reveal to you the things that need to be dealt with in your soul. It also reveals to you the God dreams, the God things. So the word. Helps you do those things there. It helps you discern whether this is the spirit of the flesh, spirit of the enemy, or the spirit of God. And so when we fellowship in the word, it's constantly digging in. It's constantly digging in us, digging, breaking up that file of ground, breaking up. So if if you want your file of ground to be broken, it is not going to be broken by a prayer. You know, it is going to be broken by your fellowship in the word. Because that's the word's job. It's there. It's there as a gardening tools, but the Bible, it's always there is like soap. I tell people sometimes, when is the last time you take a bath? And sometimes people stare at me really crazy. Like, what do you mean? I take a bath. I'm talking about a spiritual bath. I know you bathe daily, but do you bathe daily in the spirit? And if you don't bathe daily, you should. You should. And it doesn't mean a whole passage. It could be a scripture you're meditating on. Joshua was told this by by the Lord. He said this. God gave him this um, this uh, this uh, admonishment after Moses had died. He said, Joshua, if you want to be successful, this is Joshua chapter one, nine, I think eight, nine. It says, let don't let the word of the law depart from your mouth. Keep it before your mouth always meditate on it day and night. And when you think of meditating, it, I like to meditate in terms of speaking the word out in my in my space so that not only am I speaking it in my atmosphere where I'm at, but I'm also hearing it in my ear. And he says, and if you do this, he says, you will find success and your way will be prosperous. So fellowshiping in the word not only washes, cleanses, it teals the ground, it prepares you. It causes your way to be prosperous, It causes you to find success it, and it, and it aids us in digging in. And so when we when Jesus's blood is speaking, his blood speaks the full counsel of the word from Genesis, the uh, uh, revelation even speaks the rhema word. And the word is given in two forms. It's given in Logos and it's given in in Rhema. Logos is the written word we have in the Bible. The Rhema word is that instant word that comes from God in your moment to speak a right now word in your moment. And so God can speak those ways. And so um, Jesus's word, Jesus's blood constantly is speaking and declaring and decreeing what? The will of God of the Father is what he's doing. He's declaring your destiny. He's declaring the reason you are here for. He's declaring why God is planting you to where he's planted you, why he's made you the way he's made you. He's there to affirm you and and to speak life into you. The blood of Jesus does all those things for you. But what's in the way, or sometimes we don't hear that affirmation. Sometimes we don't hear that direction because we got other things Planet in our soil that need to be pulled out, and so that fellowship in the word, that digging, that mentoring, that um, that discipleship that Jesus did. Jesus discipled his his disciples for three years before he left here. He discipled them. He not only showed them in the word, but he demonstrated in 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 action too. So they got the word and they got the demonstration of the spirit. The Paul said this in the Bible, he said in first Corinthians, he said, first Corinthians, he said, I don't come with you with wise words. He said, but I come in a demonstration of the spirit so that your faith would be in the move of the spirit, because it, there's got to be something that separates our, our God and, and, and Christianity from the things of this world. A lot of people like Confucius and Buddha and and, and all the other uh, the, the, um, the Greek philosophers, they all have wisdom, but it's the wisdom of this world. But what makes our wisdom uh, from, from God greater is that God's wisdom isn't just wise words, but it's the demonstration of the spirit. And so those things want to have free reign to move and breathe in our life. But we have to be rooted like uh, Ephesians says, we have to be rooted that you may be rooted in Christ. That you would be rooted and grounded in Christ. And how can that be? That we allow him to till the ground. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's talking about your heart, where stuff is planted at. That needs to be renewed. How is it a renewed? It's renewed by the word. Because why? You were Before you were saved, you were conformed to the things of this world. You marched to what this world looked like. You followed the cultural things. You followed the fashions. You followed all these things that are going on. Those were the things that dictated and determined how you walked. They were rooted and grounded in your personality. They were rooted and grounded in who you are. But when you came to Jesus, the Lord is saying, I got to sit these things out because some of those things are good. Thank God. And then some of a lot of those things are not good. And he's getting those things out. So he's saying now I want you to be I want you to conform to the image of my son. Well, how can we do that? How can we see his son? Because his son is not physically here like he was for the disciples, but his son is here in the spirit. His son is here in the word. The word is the best place to get a clear picture of how to be conformed. And and if you allow it, the word is alive and it will mold and shape you. It will develop the fruits of the spirit in you because Jesus hosted all those things. Jesus hosted all the fruits of the spirit. And that is a thing that would bring you into the full gambit of who Christ Jesus is, because that's the father's job to bring you into that space. And so tonight we're going to look at as we look at we're going to look at. um, Let's go to let's go to Isaiah 53. You guys tracking with me? I hope you guys are doing well. Tracking Isaiah 53. And this is what Jesus did. This was prophesied. Isaiah was considered the eagle eye prophet. He was one that saw thousands of years in the future. Things that um, did not have nothing to do with his day. But he saw the things that everything was pointing to. Like I told you before. Or I was sharing with Jennifer uh, earlier as we were just talking. Was that the difference between the Old and the New Testament is that they're moving towards something we are moving from something so whereas though they were seeking to please God we are moving from the pleasure of God because the moment you said yes to the Lord the moment you gave your life and you continue to walk this walk with the Lord you are walking from the pleasure he is pleased because you are willing to submit your life to him so he's already pleased with you you don't have to earn God's pleasure does that make sense and so from that place you're moving from what He's already given you. Whereas though in the past, in the New Test Old Testament, they were moving towards it. They were constantly trying to offer up offerings to do this and do this and and, and be right before the Lord. We Jesus did that once for us. Now we just need to walk therein. And so we're moving from what he's finished, what he's completed, what he's fulfilled. We stand on that and we move from that space. That is our space that we move from. They were moving towards something, but it all culminated in the Christ Jesus. Amen and so in uh, isaiah 53 verse 5 verse 5 it says this but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities so jesus was bruised for what your iniquities the iniquities are the unrepented sin that happened in your in your bloodline that was unrepented for your people, you know, say, for instance, you got, um, you got voodoo or you got the Mayans and Aztecs and they did a lot of blood sacrificing or you, you got some other kind of stuff that's in your bloodline. Well, those things were not repented for. They were, they were, and that's what becomes iniquity in the bloodline. And the Bible is saying that Jesus was bruised for our iniquity. Now, if he's bruised for our iniquity, then our job is to take what he has done and and we can stand on the the, the, the state on the um we can stand on our bloodline and say that we received the blood of Jesus. We received his narrative and his way and we for we repent for all the things that have been done because all those people can't repent anymore. They're they're gone. But you can stand for your bloodline and repent for those that was and moving forward so that those things don't continue on. See the, the, the sin, the curses are limited in their capacity. They, the Bible says they move from the third or fourth generation. And the reason why they're given specific numbers is because it's showing it's limited. It has to, That's why the enemy, if you notice, the enemy has to go after the next generation. He's always appealing to the next generation. As we see in a lot of ways, Gen, Gen Z, and we should be praying for Gen Z because Gen Z is really on his list. He's going after them, and and it's the same for the next generation after them. He's going to continue to go after them because why he has to. But the Bible says the blessing of the Lord extends a thousand generations. So God' blessing extends. People are blessed because they're because they are linked with Abraham. Now, but if they establish their own connection with God then it then what was on Abraham just continues to magnify because now they're entering in but just by them being descendants of Abraham they were blessed by his obedience sometimes they could pray Lord just do it for Abraham's sake and because they said that and God looks at the faithfulness of Abraham he would answer the prayer do you get what I'm saying does that make sense to you and so that's the blessing of the Lord it extends a thousand years and it's in each generation is given an opportunity to really make that their own personally and then you you can cause what was spoken to get bigger and bigger it's almost like the snowball if you if you make a small ball at the top of the hill and roll it down the hill what happens it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger that's what it is it's it's that for that both ways so we want to put a stop to the things that are just wreaking havoc in our bloodline that is rooted and grounded in our bloodline and we also want to make room for the things of God because we are recipients of Abraham's covenant blessing through what Jesus did what Jesus finished and so he was bruised for our iniquity he was bruised and I tell you it is the iniquity that is speaking so if if there's any kind of weird stuff in your bloodline those things are constantly speaking speaking and so it can seem like there's a lot of confusion sometimes when you're trying to walk through healing or when you're just in the mess. There's a lot of things trying to contend and speak and speak into your life because it wants to have its place, but it can't because what Jesus did has, has, has given it the right to be evicted. It can be evicted now. You can just repent and those things have to leave. Before then, it didn't have to leave. It had right. It had ownership. But since Christ Jesus done what he does, no iniquity has no ownership over you. You now have to just allow God to reveal it to you. Uh, You have to go on a journey and let God show it to you, reveal it to you, make it known unto you. And the moment you know it, you can repent, renounce it, and choose to align yourself and your bloodline with him. So we see that the bloodline the bloodline or, or things, the iniquity is the things that speak. So you know, you're you going to find out there are a lot of things on the earth that have a voice. They speak. They're constantly speaking. Even Jesus said, for for a side note, he said, if you don't praise me, the very rocks will praise me. Now we, we say, well, does, did he really mean the rocks? Yeah. All the creation has a, a voice. Even the Bible talks about in Romans, it says what? It says the earth groaneth. What They groan and moan for what? The manifestations of the sun. The earth, the, the land has a voice. It's constantly speaking, God, when are the suns going to stand up? When are the suns going to take their place? When are, when are we going to feel the anointed ones here on earth? The earth, the earth recognizes God's people, but he also recognizes God's people haven't taken their place, so they continue to contend because they want to see the manifestation of God, God's people here on earth. Oh, Amen. And so we got 10 minutes. Um, so just uh, be mindful of that. And so we're going to keep going. I want to show you, give you a good example. I'm going to give you a good example of what that is. I'm going to give you a good example. Let's turn with me to Genesis. Turn with me to Genesis. I just realized as I was talking that my camera was not on so you guys can see my face. I'm like, wow, camera's not on. Anyway, but um, I want to show you something in scripture just to show you. I know you guys have observed this in your life, especially in your kids. I know sometimes um, you get, your kids would seem like, or even nieces and nephews or little babies in your family have been around, and you're like, wait a minute, they're doing stuff and it almost seems like they've been here before. Like, where'd you get that from? Where'd you learn that? You know, I didn't teach you that, (laughs) you know, but you see them doing things and you're like, I didn't show you that. How do you know that already? That's what's rooted and grounded in them. Yes. So let's, I'm I'm going to read a good example of it. Read about Abraham. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 20. We're going to begin at verse one. Genesis chapter 20, verse one. And it reads, and it says, And Abraham journeyed from thence towards the south country and dwelt between K- uh, Kadesh and Sharar, and sojourned in Gerera. And Abraham said to his wife, She he said to his wife, Say that you are my sister, and to the King Bimelech. Verse 3 it says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art a dead man if this if if for this woman which thou hast taken to be thy wife and abimelech had not come near her he said lord thou 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 slay me and you slay a righteous nation verse 5 it says and he said unto him she is my sister he said abraham told me she was my sister even herself said he's my brother in the integrity of my heart And innocent of my hands I have done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yeah, I know thou did this of the integrity of your heart, for also I withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore I suffer thee not to touch her. So he stopped him, but here's Abraham lying um to to Abimelech, telling him, Oh, that uh this is my sister, because Sarah was really pretty, and he was afraid that somebody was going to kill him over Sarah. Now, mind you, Sarah. And Abraham were old, so she must have been really beautiful. Even in her old age, she was beautiful. But this man was afraid. I want to show you something. This is what I want to show you. Turn with me over to verse Genesis 26. Now, mind you, when this happened, they had no kids at the time. Genesis 26, beginning at verse 6. Genesis 26 beginning at verse 6 and it says this Isaac dwelled in Gerard same place hmm. and the men of the people asked of his wife and he said she is my sister for he feared to say that she was my wife unless these men should kill him in this place. This was Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon and it came to pass when, he, when he'd been there a long time the king Abimelech looked out the window and saw Isaac sporting Rebecca, his wife and confronted him. So we see here his dad, before he was ever here, did, did the same thing, lied to a king, saying, this is my wife. Don't kill me. Um, You know, and so they won't kill him. And so they went along with it and then God had to intervene. But Abraham did this twice because if you go back a little bit further, he lied to the uh, uh, Pharaoh as well. So here is Isaac, who is not born yet, who is still in the uh, the loins of Abraham. Now Isaac is a, a grown man, has a wife. He's moved on. His dad has moved on, passed on into glory. And we find him lying about the same thing. The same exact thing was repeated from his dad in him. What is that saying? That right there was planted. That right there was in there. We could say, well, did Abraham repent for lying? I don't know. Maybe he did or he didn't. Or the fact that he didn't trust that God would protect him. That could be the thing that was in his DNA, that he didn't trust that God would protect him. So he led to his own understanding. The Bible says, what? Acknowledge the Lord and all um, Seek, acknowledge uh, the Lord in all thy ways, in what? He shall direct your path. Where it says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lead not to thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct your path. So when you trust in the Lord with all thy heart, then you won't lead to your own understanding. Abraham was not trusting the Lord with all his heart. He was trusting him to a certain degree because he led to his own understanding by what? Telling the king that was his wife because he feared that he would die for her because she was pretty. Well, guess what? His son did the same thing. And his son was not born yet. His son was nowhere around. So you can't say, well, maybe Abraham told him. No, he did the same. And he did it to the same king. (laughs) He did it to the same king. So that there that this is just an example that sometimes what is in the previous generation that hasn't been dealt with and reconciled before the Lord can can be carried over into another generation that really doesn't know. Isn't that something? And that's just one example of many things. You know, we if you look in the book of Kings, you'll see in many places, a lot of times, the, uh, the Bible will say this king uh, did unrighteously. He followed the way of his father before him. He did unrighteously. And then sometimes you'll see Uh, This king did righteously before the Lord. He followed the ways of David. So you'll find that good attributes and bad attributes would follow the bloodline. But those things are constantly speaking and they're working against what the blood of Jesus is speaking. And so we want to do is we want to silence those voices. We want to silence those voices. That's why I believe that's why Jesus said what? He said what? He said this. He said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they won't follow. Those things, those iniquities are strangers. Those are strange voices because we are his sheep and we listen to the voice of the good shepherd who leads us to the right places, to the good places. He is the shepherd of our lives. Those things, those other voices are not. So when you hear people talking about they have mental illness and and stuff like that, all that stuff is, is, is iniquity in the bloodline too. Mental illness is iniquity in the bloodline. It comes from something in their bloodline somewhere. You know, and, it, and I've heard of people getting healed from mental illness, getting healed from it. And so we understand and they, what do they do? They hear voices, they hear things speaking to them. That's a stranger's voice. If you are uh, if you are God's child, if you are a child of the king, you are a sheep that follows that shepherd, which is Jesus, and you don't follow another shepherd. Sometimes we hear other voices, the voice of the flesh trying to tell us things, or even things in our bloodline, trying to encourage us. And sometimes we have to be careful. If you're not fellowshipping in the word enough, you won't be able to discern between the soul and the spirit. Why did he say the soul and the spirit? Because the soul has a voice. What is it speaking? It speaks not just what the flesh wants, but it speaks what's embedded in the soul. What's planted in the soul? Things that have been done in your bloodline. That's planted in your soul. Those are the things that need to be get out. Or even the voice of your parents. Or even the things that you've heard that maybe are not so good. Like, say for instance, your parents said to you, you're no good. You'll never be good at anything. You're always going to be like this. Those things are spoken to you. Do you know your parents, for a side note, are the first prophets that you hear? Your parents are the first prophets that you come in contact with. What do I mean? They are the first ones that what? Speak into your life. They're the ones that pull you up. They pull their bow back and you're the arrow and they point you in the direction And wherever they're pointing you is where you're going to go. They're the first prophets that you come in contact with because they're prophesying and they're declaring what you have and they're declaring what they want to see in your life. And I guarantee you, you, some of us have become some of the things that our parents have said. And we contend with those things. We fight with those things because sometimes those things are not good. And sometimes it's been hard for us to hear what God is saying because that thing is so in us. It's in it's planted in our where our soul. So the Bible, the word is good to come in and help you to discover that is a soulless thing. And that needs to be pulled out and I can help you pull it out with the word. Does that make sense? You guys are tracking with me. And so we were looking at those two examples, just a good example of that following And here. I'll give you a third example. And so. A third example, (laughs) we see deception runs in the family. Uh, We see here in verse 27, not too far down, uh, Jacob deceives his father. How did he deceive him? He comes, his mother is in on this too. His mother hears that the father is going to bless the older brother. Uh oh, shoot. There are there's something already in your heart in its space. And if you're willing to revisit those areas, God will 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 uproot. He'll show you how to uproot those things and break those things off. And so you have to walk the process out with him. You have to walk the process out with him. I'm going to continue to teach a little bit some more. And I I just want to just hold those questions at the end and we'll try to get those questions as we're going. I mean, at the end so that we can actually address those really good. Okay, so just hold tight. Um, I just want to finish up some things real quick. Um, That's okay. You're good. Um, But we see here. I just want to give you the last example here. Uh, uh, The Bible says in Genesis 27, verse uh, 27, uh, verse 18, it says this. And Jacob deceived Isaac and he came to it came unto his father and said, Father, he said, here am I. Who art thou? Jacob said to his father, "I am Esau, the firstborn. I have done according to that which you have asked. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat my venison, that thy soul may that thy soul may bless me." Then Isaac says unto his son, "How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son?" And he says to him, "And he says, because the Lord thy God has brought it to me." Ooh, look at him lying on God. <laughs> wow. Just keep going. Verse 21 it says, And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, that I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be thy very son Esau or not. Well he knew, just based on script, we're gonna read we're gonna read verse 22, and it says, Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob, but the hands are Isaac. If you read further in the beginning of 27, His mother was in on the lie, deceiving uh, his dad because she had got a prophetic word from the Lord. And this prophetic word from the Lord was that that Jacob, the blessing was going to be on the younger and not the older. So when she was pregnant, she was pregnant with twins. So Esau and Jacob are twins and they were fighting constantly in her tummy and they were giving her such discomfort. And, and she asked the Lord, why am I like this? What is going on? And he said, there are two different people warring in your body. He said, the older is going to serve the younger. And so when Esau was born, Esau was very, he was kind of reddish, very hairy, you know, very, you know, man, manly. And Jacob, whose name means surplanter in trickster, he was very smooth skinned and, his, and he, he was loved by his mom. Well, as they grew up, and it came time for Isaac to pass on, he's getting to give the blessing, the firstborn blessing, to Esau. She gets wind of it. She decides to go help God, and so she deceives her husband along with Jacob. She puts goat's fur on his arm so that when his dad feels him, feels that he's hairy, but his voice was Jacob. Do you see deception? <laughs> Just in there, deception is in there. Just wanting to lie stuff. Some things are in us. And and those are the things that we contend with. Those are the things that we contend with. Like, man, I didn't want to lie. Well, when we come to Jesus, the Lord shines a light on all that. And we don't have to anymore. We can choose to tell the truth. We can choose to stand for truth. We don't have to go. You're the one that can stand in your bloodline and say, enough is enough. I'm going to till this ground. I'm pulling up these roots, these things that have been rooted in my family that are hurting my bloodline, that are constantly speaking, not only to myself, but they're speaking to my kids. They're determining their way. Because here's the thing, I want to break this down to you really quick. There are two things in us. There's water, our body is 60% water, and then there's blood. Life is in both of them. Let me tell you how they function in the body. The water sustains life. Okay. The water sustains life. The body cannot live without water. If it goes past three days with water, you you could very well die because the body needs water to sustain it. Okay. The blood has life in it too. Because you find in Leviticus, the Lord telling them, do not eat anything with blood in it because life is in the blood. What kind of life, the kind of life they're going to have, what's in your bloodline, what that person looks like, their DNA, um, all the stuff that they are is in the blood. And so the blood tells you who they are, where they're going, what they're going to do. All that stuff is encoded in the bloodline. Even, you know, even God's plan for us is encoded in the bloodline. Why is it in the bloodline? Because that's where he put it. That's why he has to redeem us. So did what that which was once his can be reunited with him and he can give it purpose. Does that make sense? And so the blood tells you what kind of life and who that person is going to be and what they're going to look like. The water in them sustains it. You need them both. So the water sustains the life that this person is going to live. You need both of those. You can't have one or the other. Does that make sense? And so with that, we are given the task to dig into oneself and uproot those things and we can change what's in our bloodline we can change so that our bloodline does not determine and dictate these negative things that are in our bloodlines we can cut those things out through the word the sword of the spirit or we can and we can definitely nullify them with the blood of jesus and as you fellowship in the word sometimes when i read the word the lord will convict me and i'm like oh man lord i feel convicted by this and i right away i'll repent I'll go and repent. I have no problem repenting daily. It's nothing wrong because what I want to, I want to make so much room for the Lord. I want to be such a host to the Holy Spirit because my temple is a place where the Holy Spirit lives. And if the Holy Spirit lives in me, then I want my roots to be rooted and grounded in where? Christ Jesus, like Ephesians 3.17 says. For us to be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. Well, in order for me to do that, I got to I got to till that ground and get all that stuff out. You got to leave. You got to leave. You got to leave because I don't want none of that because I love Jesus so much that I don't want to grieve him. I love the Holy Spirit so much that I want the Holy Spirit to have full capacity. I want the Lord to have my heart. I want the Lord to move through me freely without any problems. Does that make sense? And so we want to dig in. And so inwardly, we got to look where we're rooted, where, what's rooted in us, and begin to pull those things out. That's why Jesus talked about the different grounds, the different grounds in the parable, the different grounds. And it's the person that has that good ground. That's tilled their ground that the seeds of the word of God will land on them and it'll grow and instantly grow. But if you haven't dealt with the the, the ground of your heart, then the seeds of life can hit the stony areas. They could hit the thorns. You could care more about the cares of this life more than the word of God, and it'll choke the word out. You can or you could have such a hard ground that when the seed hits, it doesn't go anywhere. The the devil represents the birds that'll come by and eat the seed. Are you you hearing what I'm saying? So you don't want that. You want to till your ground, till the ground of the soil of your heart, the soil of your soul. Allow the word of God to what? To cut to discern between the soul and the spirit, teach you how to see what's soulish and what is the spirit of God. What is what is the enemy and what is flesh? What I need to get rid of. And God will give you dreams and visions. He will convince you as you read your words. Sometimes people can give you prophetic words. You know, Some people that are close to you can have dreams or get words of knowledge or words of wisdom for you. And they can speak into your life. And those things are opportunities for you To come out of agreement with because somewhere in your bloodline, somebody came in agreement with that and that's and they never repented for it. And that's why it's hanging out. But Jesus has already been bruised for that. So he has the solution. All you got to do is repent. And that thing has to leave. That thing has to go. It cannot stay because you you're part of that bloodline and you're breaking your partnership. You're breaking your communion. You're breaking the treaties. You're breaking all the covenants. Some people have uh, in our bloodline have covenant with devils, doctrines of devils. Some people, some of your family members have put your name, uh, family members names on altars where they're praying to the the demonic spirits, you know, and so you got to, and sometimes in deliverance, I've had to, you know, go in and break that altar, split that altar in half and pull that person's name off. And so that. That that person can have their identity again because why somebody is trusted in a demonic god or <laughs> their god that they're praying to and they put their name on it. Sometimes people do it in nefarious ways. They want to put a curse on you, and those things need to be broken. And they can be broken by the power of the blood. They can be broken by the power of the word. But you have to come to you have to uh, be fellowshipping with the Lord so God can shine the light. Because if you fellowship in the light, the light will shine the light on every and anything that needs to what leave and he's doing it so to what his light can shine in you so that other men can see it but the light can't shine in you like it wants to if there's other things in the way so first it has to shine in you to get those things out to expose those things he wants to expose those things. he doesn't want you heavy lading with those things he doesn't want you walking around carrying luggage from your from your ancestors with you or even your own stuff God wants us to walk in the freedom and the liberty that he walks in. I'm going to leave you with this. I want to end with this here because I I was talking to somebody earlier with this about this particular scripture. Turn with me to Philippians. Because as you are walking through healing, this process of healing, because you're going to walk through a process of healing as you're walking with Jesus. He's going to help you walk through and get rid of things. I want you to know this thing here. Because sometimes when you are in that process of healing, you feel alone or you feel like no one understands you or no one hears you or do anybody get me? God, I just, I don't feel like I'm doing, I feel like I'm doing this by myself and I want to read this to you. And in Philippians chapter three, verse 10, it says this, Paul said this, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I may fellowship of his suffering, that I may fellowship of his suffering and be made conformable unto his death. A lot of times people want to fellowship in the power of his resurrection because yes, the power of his resurrection is flashy, it's, it's great. To see the dead raised, to see the the leopards uh, set for, uh, cleansed, to see the sick healed, to see uh, people's lives transform and change right before your eyes. The power of the resurrection, to see that happen. But when you talk about fellowshipping, in the suffering with Christ. Let me give you a picture. When you are walking through healing and you go to those places where it is hurt, where you're hurt and it feels like it's suffering and pain. Do you know everything that you've ever suffered or will suffer Christ has suffered? And so the even though he has finished it on the cross, this is what that looks like. So you're in you're healing. You're trying to heal from this situation that God just exposed. And this thing has had you in a prison and you're standing there wanting to be free. And this thing has you in it in its cell and you're just weeping and hurting. And then all of a sudden you see Jesus walk by. Now, I first thought when we see Jesus walk by, Jesus is going to open the door and we are going to get out of here. But then Jesus opens the door and he comes in. And he shuts the door and you're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Aren't we supposed to leave? And then Jesus tells you, I'm going to come right in the midst of this here and we're going to get through this together. We have a tendency to think liberty and freedom is, okay. he opens the door, we're out of here. He wants to come in the midst of that and let you know that he is touched by the feeling of your infirmities, that as you are suffering he's going to tell you hey i suffered the same thing you are not by yourself let's get through this because my peace that i have isn't peace isn't is the peace that will help you walk through this situation peace isn't avoiding it peace is walking in the midst of it and knowing you're going to get through it and so the lord comes in the midst of that and sit with you in that suffering and he, and he lets you know I'm touched by it because I suffered this on the cross. You are not alone and I overcame it. So I'm here with you to help you overcome it. So I'm going to walk this out with you right into freedom. And when we're done, that door is going to open and we're going to walk out, not because we're running from it. We're going to walk out because we are done with it. So when we fellowship with the Lord in the fellowship of his suffering, you are not by yourself. You are with the overcomer. You are with the triumphant one who wants to help you get through triumphantly. So that what? When you walk out that thing that had you imprisoned, you are done. The Bible says, and in James chapter one, it says, let patience have its perfect work. Patience is a person. His name is Jesus. So let Jesus have his perfect work that when he is done, he will what? You won't be lacking anything. So when you allow patience to come in and sit with you in the fellowship of his suffering because here's the thing. God wants to give you language about where what, what, what has hurt you, what has robbed you, those things. He wants to give you language because why? That has been speaking to you. That has been telling you who you are. That has been telling you who God is. That's been telling you who people are all around you. It's been speaking. And Jesus comes in the cell to silence the voice and say, listen to my voice. Let me tell you why this went on. Let me tell you why, how you're going to overcome this. Let me give you a clear picture who God is, who the Lord is who you truly are, who those people are. God will begin to give you such a perspective that no longer will these things, when he sets you free from this here, none of what that nastiness is on you will be on you. He wants to set you free inside, from the inside out. So he's got to come in the midst and minister to you because if you just are, the door's opening, you walk right out the door, what have you learned? I guarantee you, you still are carrying something that's going to continue to speak to you. Because if I'll say, for instance, we'll go there. If your trauma came through a man, the Lord wants you to not live your life thinking that men are just going to hurt you, that every man is just that way. God wants to restore your hope in men. Same thing for a man. If he received hurt through a woman, he doesn't want to go through his life. God don't want him going through a life hating a woman. No, he made man and woman to coexist together, to walk in one. You know, and so you're going to walk through life, but the world's way of handling it is that you don't get free from that. Sometimes you've seen the psychologists, you talk to them and but yet, that you don't have no freedom. You still got this fear of man. You still got this fear of, of a woman. You still got this fear this person's going to do this. That's not the Lord. The Lord says if you let me have my perfect work, I will I will take Away because why he says what in Ephesians 3:17, it says that that you he said that Christ may dwell in your hearts that by faith that you be rooted and grounded in his love. He wants you to be rooted and grounded in his love. So what he does from love, he's giving you narrative, he's giving you perspective, he's helping you see things, and then his love is. Punching fear in the face and telling fear, you got to go. She's she or he or she is not going to fear man. He or she is not going to be in have anxiety. She, he or she is not going to do and have these things with all always uh, imprisoning them. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord has come upon me to what? To preach the good news to the God, uh, the poor in spirit or the poor, poor period. But he says, I come to what? To um, to mend the broken heart and to set them free. Who are what? held captive. And how does he set you free? He doesn't just open the door and tell you to go. He sets you free by bringing you through the process and you overcome it. And then now you got a testimony. Hence, I overcame by the blood and I got a testimony. My testimony speaks of what Jesus walked me through, what Jesus did. And that's how we dig in. And pull these things that have been rooted in us. But I just want you to know tonight that you are not sitting by yourself in the midst of that, that that Papa God, Yahweh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to. The Godhead wants to walk you through that process. And if you will allow them what they will do, they'll bring people into your life. They'll bring things into your life to help heal because you don't just heal uh, just with spirit. You got people in the natural who are spirit led people that will come alongside and walk to help you walk right into that healing. So that what today, what hurts you today will not hurt you tomorrow. But we want to deal with that which is rooted in us, because once we've dealt with that which is rooted in us. Trust me, when we deal with somebody who is demonically influenced with this or that. We have we don't have no open doors in us. We can tell that thing to leave in Jesus name because why we have invited. And I tell you, when you pull something out, you always invite the Lord in. I always tell people this. I said, you I said, when you pull something out, invite Jesus to fellowship in that place and then tell Holy Spirit to fill you fuller. You always put something in when something is being taken out. And what you want to put in is Christ Jesus in that space. You want him to have that space because he promised that he would have your heart full of flesh, full of the word. And so he wants you to be rooted and grounded in him. And so that's what we were looking at tonight. What it is to be rooted and grounded. in him in Christ Jesus. And so it's talk. It speaks of us tilling that ground, preparing that ground, walking through the process. And we just seen an example of just how things can carry over and I can give you more examples of just sin moving from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation and you just see it following over and over you see the hand of the enemy reaching into the next generation to to try to keep his hold on mankind but he knows his time is short and he knows what that he's already a defeated foe because the moment that generation Comes in to know about what Jesus did, what he tries to do is done. He has lost his hold because what Jesus finished and, and completed is forevermore and nothing, and, he, and the devil has no answer for it. Amen. Amen. I, I pray that that blessed you, and I just pray right now that the Lord would reveal, that He would reveal. To you, the areas that need to be pulled out, that need to be uh, uh, to be healed, to be restored, to have narrative. I pray that you would allow the Lord's perfect hands, his patient, perfect hands to come in and not only uh, pull those things out, but his love to be perfected in you so that fear can no longer live in you. So no longer are you in this prison bound and oppressed, but that the Lord would come in with you and that you would be triumphantly in that space right into the moment you walk out that door because he works all things for the good of them that love the Lord and call to his purpose. And you don't have to wait to the end to get the good. The one who is good just walk into that situation with you right now and he will be good in the midst of that situation and even after. So I just speak today right now that you, in this moment, as you fellowship in the Word, as you fellowship in prayer, that you would posture your heart, the Lord, that I want to clean house. I want no other voice but yours. I am. I am a sheep that follows the good shepherd, and I do not want to listen to the stranger anymore. And I ask you to expose the stranger, reveal who he is, whatever that is, reveal it, so I can come out of agreement with it, break my allegiance with it, break the covenant with it, and come into healing wholeness, and oneness with the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.